Indeed, welcome to the war. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are God, that you are aware of everything, everything from the deepest, tiniest, smallest detail of sin and uh, to the greatest heart cry of the most obscure person. You know everything. So, Father, I pray that you would reveal to us this day, those who listen, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, the revelation of your love and your truth, your power, your mercy, your answers to prayer, and your intimate care of us, Lord God, even as we look into these um, awesome events in the Gospel of Mark. And I thank you, Jesus, that you did die on the cross. You pursued, you rescued, you completed the project, the, the rescue of us, without being defeated, even though you were assaulted, attacked, um, and, and crucified. And I thank you for being that brave, that strong, that committed, that loyal, that holy, that awesome. You are our hero truly indeed. And I thank you that you've also given us the same power that raised you from the dead to do the will, do the work of the Father, the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, O God, on earth, in and through us, your warriors, your servants, your sons and daughters, as it's being done and declared in heaven. We are not defeated, Lord God, and I thank you. There is no weapon formed against us that will prosper. There is no word said, deed done, action taken by the evil one. No matter how clever he works his plan, it will not prevail against the kingdom of God. And so we rest in that and we refuse to be anxious or discouraged, Father because those are simply temptations of the enemy. So, Father, ask us, we ask that you give us wisdom now as we speak regarding these matters uh, in understanding what happened in the early part of Jesus' baptism, his temptation in the wilderness, and how he began his ministry. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's so much in the book of Gospel of Mark. I just love it. And yet, he misses so much because he goes too fast. Well, yeah, he, he's really, he's the briefest one of the Gospels, the Gospel mm-hmm. writers. He just kind of cuts to the chase. He hits what he's supposed to hit, and, and he's writing. You have to understand. He's a he's young not, man. He's, he's not writing. He's a, he's, well, he's probably older when he's writing this, yeah. okay? But he's writing to Gentile unbelievers. He's not writing to... Jewish people that are steeped in theology and Old Testament prophecy and stuff True. like that. Mm-hmm. He declares Jesus to be the servant of the living God and the son of the living God. Mm-hmm. But he's writing primarily to uh, unbelieving Gentiles. Yeah. And you can kind of see what he thinks is important, what he thinks isn't important. And um, he did think, and he dwelt pretty long for, for Mark anyway, on the on the baptism of Jesus, and we kind of were talking a lot about John the Baptist and Jesus, their relationship. We kind of mentioned that I think last time that they were actually cousins. Cousins, yes. Yeah, and that um, when John saw Jesus coming, he wasn't quite sure. I don't think of the f- full revelation of who Jesus was yet, but he had been told that the the person that he baptized. I think the father had told him this. That the person that he baptized, when he saw the 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 spirit descending on him, that would be the right one. Well, he's the one. God said he's the one that will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. basically, Jesus, I think, is growing up in Nazareth, right? Around, and John, mm-hmm. they were, you know, in a, in a different location, so they probably didn't really. Well, they probably saw each other a, when they went to the temple once a year. Yeah, you know, but they were they were living in different out. places. Then John would go out into the wilderness. But they were cousins, and they knew that. Yes. And and because um, actually John was the very first one. It's very well. I suppose is Elizabeth and John. They were kind of at the same time, the very first humans to recognize Jesus. John the Baptist in his mother's womb, six months old recognized the presence of Jesus when Mary walked into the room where Elizabeth was pregnant with mm-hmm. John. And so 
John again is the first one to recognize Jesus in a public declaration. You know, so what he recognized 30 years before, he's now, it's being confirmed to him. So it's kind of, a, there's a lot behind the scenes here on all of this. Um, but you have to realize that Jesus, you know, when did he first realize that he was the son of God incarnate? What, what, when did, what, what led him to believe that he was any different? And maybe his mother told him the story of the wise men, the shepherds, the sounds, uh, the Well, and how the, how the angel of the Lord had come to her. Right. And what he had spoken to her and the story of, you know, of, of Joseph and, and, and that whole thing. There was, there, there had to be that story that was unfolding for him. You know, they had had to fly, uh, flee into Egypt, right? You know, when he was just a, a young baby, and I'm sure that Mary related. She kept a lot of things and pondered those things in her heart. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there was a gradual recognition. Well, speaking and, of and, recognition, you know, going back to the trail of recognitions, we have John and Elizabeth, and then we have the shepherds, we have the wise men, all these confirmations. We have Anna in the temple, we have Simeon in the temple. We have, those are kind of little points where Mary could have reminded Jesus or told him because, you know, he wouldn't have known or remembered it probably, um, maybe, but mostly likely not. And so when, when they come to this place where John is reluctant to baptize Jesus because he says, you should baptize me, um, and what you just said that John was going to recognize um, that this was the one who was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, that they went, Jesus said, permit it to be so for now. For thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Right. Now, Jesus was not baptized because of he, was, he had repented of sin. No. Obviously, he was sinless all the way through his life. It was life. more like, you know, when you christen a ship, descend it forth, something like that. Right. Well, part of, part of baptism, there were different kinds of baptisms in mm-hmm. those days. They were kind of like initiations. In a sense, right. like christening a yeah, ship, yeah. and recognizing too the 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 it was an act of consecration, mm-hmm. and he was Dedication. he was identifying with us. He was in a sense it was a prophecy that he was going to die, and that he was going to rise again, and that in his rising again he was going to send us the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit yeah. descended upon him, sort of like a dove, right. on him, and remained on him. And and so through the death and resurrection of Jesus and his ascension at, to the right hand of the Father, that's what made it possible for the sending forth of the promised Holy Spirit to right. indwell and empower all believers. So when Jesus was on his journey to realize who he was and he, you know, all these testimonies from the various ones, notice in the at 12 years old, he's in the temple and he's already a pro, he's very proficient in the scriptures, and he is also a rabbi. At the, by the time we see him in the synagogue, and a little bit later in chapter one of Mark, he's a rabbi who's been invited, like you mentioned in the notes, to preach. But going back to how did he realize that he was the son of God when he was 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 it when he was twelve in the temple? Um, wh- when did he get his rabbinic uh, license to preach? Well, I mean, he must have studied. I think you're alluding to something here when he was all these scriptures foretold of all the life of this Messiah who is going to live and die and and be resurrected and stuff and Jesus studied the word to find out what he was supposed to do who he was those prophetic um, revelations were written for him too um, and he that's why he was such a um, uh, I'm sure a, a well read and understood right. it, the scripture. It, it says in, in the book of Luke that he grew in stature mm-hmm. and wisdom yeah. and stature and favor with God and with yeah. man. So there was, there was a, 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 a growing process spiritually. Developing, with, re- just revealing, Just as he was developed physically mm-hmm. as a human being, as a, mm-hmm. as a boy right. and then as a man. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a gradual unfolding uh, of revelation because as the son of the living God, He's omniscient. He knows everything. Well, here's the here's the here's the kicker because okay, so he's studying the scriptures. He's a rabbi. He knows what's going on. His mother tells him at the uh, in, in the wedding wedding of Canaan, which is beyond this a little, but it's still part of that. 
um, to go forward and do what she knew he could do. Mm-hmm. So it was like her kind of giving him a little push. Okay, son, it's time to go. But but by the time we get done with our discussion here of who is Jesus, the question is, does Jesus know who he is? Because his first temptations are about his identity. And so when we see the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and we hear the voice of John 1.11 saying, um, <clears throat> the voice from heaven came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, it's actually Mark one eleven there. Oh, I'm sorry. But, what did I yeah, say? But, yeah. yeah. But this is it. This We're is Mark, the declaration guys. from heaven. A voice came from, you are my beloved son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So, there was there was a real there was a solidification endorsement, endorsement mm-hmm. from the father confirmation uh, say, maybe the confirmation to Jesus of too. Yeah. his identity and as you mentioned and we'll get into that in a little bit satan challenged his identity later if you john chapter 6 7 and 8 you see especially there where the scribes the pharisees the people there was all kinds of speculations right, about his was. true mm-hmm. identity. Right, that's is always, he, who is, are you? Tell us who you is are. Is he a reincarnation of Moses? Is he yeah. the prophet? Yeah. Is he Elijah? Mm-hmm. Is is he is he a demon-possessed? Is yeah. he... Um, where are you from? Where are you from? Yeah. You, you're just, you know, you're just the carpenter's son it was, from, from Nazareth. Well, because everybody, exactly, the carpenter's son from Nazareth. That's who they thought he was. He built their tables. He fixed their wheels. I mean, he had some of his cousins living, brothers and sisters, normal family here. Um, nothing that, you know, later on we can find out who these people are that are in his family by working it backwards um, from the foot of the cross, we can tell that, um, you know, he, a lot of his apostles, 12, five out of the 12 were his cousins, and we can see these kinds. Of, but at this point in time, he just looks pretty normal. You right, know? right. And he was beginning to, you know, teach in the synagogues. And they recognized, you mentioned Marjorie earlier, that when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple. Uh-huh. They had come, I think his parents had come for, I think it was for, was it Passover? Anyway, one they of the lost, feasts, they yeah. lost him in the crowd, and they said, "Where do we find?" Oh, they they were trying heading back home, and all of a sudden they realized Jesus wasn't there, and they said, "Oh, we got to go look for him." Well, you know, they, they probably the thought he was with his cousins in one of the other sections of crowds leaving. You know, yeah. they didn't have cell phones back then, so they just assumed that he was going to catch a ride with one of his cousins and walk back with them. But three days later, they checked, and they had all camped that night, found out Jesus is not here. He's not here. Whoa, whoa, where is he? And so well, they found him in the temple, and, they, and the, the people in the temple were amazed. The The theologians were amazed at his questions and his answers. So there yeah. was a there was a, a great unusual wisdom. He was, yeah. we, we could say, spiritually precocious in the sense mm-hmm. that she had such knowledge and was and then as he became a a, a rabbi and we'll talk maybe more about this a little later at some point um, you had to be at least 30 years old mm-hmm. to actually teach in the synagogue to be to be a rabbi or a priesthood and so forth so i think you you had to be in that place so he he a lot of the time he spent uh teaching in the synagogue and We'll, we'll look at that a little right. bit later. Right. So here we have the voice of, this is my beloved son. And then in Mark, next verse, it says, and immediately the spirit, that same spirit that just endorsed him, drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. But we're going to have to go to another um, gospel. Let's to go find. to Luke chapter 4. Okay, we'll go to Luke and we'll see what happened there. And right, I'll, right. And I'll it, look it, at Matthew, it, you look at Luke, and we'll compare them because I yeah, know Matthew goes it's, into it's too. Also, chapter 4 as well. We remember there that the word, it says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Well, i got to say something about this. You know, a lot of times people are in a wilderness in their life, and they're they're stuck, they're cornered, and, and some do-gooder Christian will come along and say, well, you should have, you made a wrong choice, it, you must be disobedient, as Job's friends said to him. You must have done something wrong to be in this wilderness, this marriage, this job, this homeless condition. You must have done something wrong. And and yet 
the wildernesses that we're led into many times are the actual Holy Spirit leading us into the wilderness to be tested, tempted, refined by the devil. So here we have an interesting thing. Would God the Father, who had just said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, deliberately betray his son by leading him into the wilderness by the same spirit that just confirmed him to set him up? Would God do that? Because that's what we think God would do. We think that God betrays us. We think that he moves uh, in, in opposite ways to set us up like some sort of bipolar supreme being or something. But we ha- if it makes only sense, no other sense, unless you put Satan into the equation and saying, okay, God, this is who you're endorsing. Now I have a right to test him. And so that is the only way this makes sense. And so God permitted it just as he did with Job. Okay, this is, you know, it's fair. I guess it's fair because God is fair. Um, to let Satan challenge this uh, this man that God just endorsed as his son. Now, it's interesting. I believe that when God the Father's voice struck the vibrations of earth, the demonic radar the demonic sonar was set at an alarm at an alarm because mm-hmm. they didn't for sure know anything particular about Jesus. Maybe he was a good guy and maybe he, you know, whatever. But they were not, uh, he was under the radar, so to speak, until this heavenly revelation. And so immediately, immediately, I mean, next verse, Satan is on it and he's saying, um, who is this? He He's... Pretty, pretty much challenging, I think, the father to, he says, God says he's his son. It, it, who, who, is, who does he think he is? So Satan is going to lead, is God going to lead Jesus into a diabolical trap? No, but he will permit things. And just with as with Abraham and with Job, Satan comes up and, and requests a test that he can test this person, Job or Jesus. Um, so, you know, he's going to challenge God's endorsement of the son. Um, I, that's what I, I believe happened. Well, there was a, certainly a challenging, I think, as you said, that Satan was sniffing out the yeah. fact that this was, there's something special about this one. You remember the... Uh, well, this confirmed his worst suspicions. Herod, yeah. you know. Yeah, he, Herod he too. He said, you know, he, what did he do? Uh, he went down to, uh, they went and, and killed all the, the, yeah. the babies uh, well, it? that's why Satan it, it, was around from two years old and yeah. under. So, so, so Satan thought they'd got him. They said, "We got to make sure we get him. We're going to get every oh. baby that would be oh. about that age." How did we age miss this baby? To make sure and miss the baby, miss the just baby. like they tried with Moses. Yeah, they got to get all these male babies, and they missed the right. And, and they, 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 they missed, they missed the, the one. Yeah, they, they tried. Well, so but that's they why get Satan them. was kind of relaxing there for those thirty years or so, and, and didn't look that hard because he thought he had taken care of the whole mess. But, um, and, and here's the other gripe, I believe, that Satan has with Jesus, that Jesus was in heaven, um, the Son of God, the Word of God. And the, he was as yet really untested and untried. He was just in that position. He was the untried Son of God who had, um, who Satan believed he didn't have any right to to rule, any more right to reign than Lucifer himself. And obviously that was po- probably the position Lucifer went after and that um, he wanted to uh, disprove or uh, shame or uh, hold this Jesus, his contender, in contempt because really I th- that's the position. They're both vying for that position of rulership. And of course, Jesus is not doing it to beat the devil. He's doing it because he's the son of God and he's being loyal to his father to rescue the human beings. Um, so G- I'm sure Lucifer, Lucifer was sure that he would be able to prove himself superior to this Jesus of Nazareth. So he took on Jesus in the wilderness. Um, well, let me just say how this happened, how this kind of went went down. Wait, okay. <laughs> Luke chapter four says, and Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit mm-hmm. into the wilderness. And it was basically led by the Spirit. Mark says he was um, 
what driven? Well, uh, Matthew Spirit, says led too. Led, led up by the yeah, Spirit into but the world. It's a strong word that means almost like ejected, compelled, sent forth. It was it was a compelling mm-hmm. to be tested. Now he was not being compelled to sin. There was nothing in him that was saying, but you know, I, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go to the big city and uh-huh. see what trouble no, I can get no, into. No, he was thrown into the, the arena, just like in... Thrown into the arena, yep. yep that's he, what he it just, was. Okay, you're getting on the field now. And uh, being tempted um, 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had uh, ended... He was hungry. It doesn't say he was hungry during the time of fasting. It says he was hungry afterwards. It says in, in uh, Matthew, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Right. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, now it's interesting as we just had this earlier discussion about Jesus developing a sense of who he is and that firm identity, strength of knowing who you are, that is the absolute foundation of every, uh, of our footing, that knowing that we are in Christ, that we are his, and knowing who we are, who we are, the created sons and daughters of God, the most mm-hmm. high God, not the false gods. But but so knowing, this is where the devil throws his first his first attack. And he throws that at human beings all the time. It's like kids, oh, yeah. you know, as they're growing up, mm-hmm. they're they're developing. They're wanting to know who am I? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then and some, you know, some teach say, well, you just, you know, came out of the slime, you evolved into who you are yeah. now. All or, these attacks. Or, or or you're this or you're that or you're Oh, you're p- the peer pressure, the slime, the the yeah. Evolution. The, Satan is trying to do everything he can to reconstruct our identity. Yeah, the sex, sexual orientation, sexual, sexual abuse. identity, yeah. non-sexual oh. identity, uh, yeah. and now we got transhumanism coming in here, where people are going to be but, part artificial. So this and part is the primary question because you human. know that Satan is not going to pick some little sideline issue to attack Jesus on. He is going to go for the heart, and be, because Jesus had been thirty years in. Uh, knowing, spending time with the Father, meditating in the Word, knowing who he was. And the other issue to know is that why is this temptation in the wilderness so, why is this contest so important to Satan that he himself would come down and test Jesus? Well, number one, if he could get Jesus to sin just once, the whole mission would be off, deleted, a failure. The attempt to rescue the humans would be done because anyone who sins becomes submitted to Satan and becomes his slave. Anyone who listens to his counsel acts upon his counsel. Now, you can be tempted and not sin. The devil talked to Jesus and tempted him. That was not the sin. The sin was not in what Satan tempted him to do. The sin, the sin would have come in Jesus acting upon that temptation by doing it, and that that would have been he would have used the devil's recommendations, solutions, or whatever to solve the problem. Then he would have been servant to the enemy. And so Satan, you know, he's Satan is so reasonable, right? He's very well, reasonable. Yeah, he no, says, he "Okay, like it, you're the son of God, right?" Uh, if uh, in Luke four three, if you are the son of God, yeah. I mean challenge. Oh, yeah, trying to put some doubt there mm-hmm. as to his true identity. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. I mean you're hungry. Okay, so yeah, right. Uh, so hey, you you got power. You got all this power. Mm-hmm. Uh, just turn these stones how, into bread and you're going to be fine. Notice how Satan sets up the temptation to match your circumstances. Mm-hmm. If you're hungry, if you're poor, if you're beaten down, if you feel stupid, he's going to set up the temptation, uh, taking advantage of what he's already softened you up to believe or do the place, the lack of support, the fear, the anxiety, whatever he's already softened you up. He's already deprived you or created a lack in your life or something, whether it's love or meaning or purpose or food or whatever it is. And he is that that's where he's going to put in the, he's going to send the arrow, but he's sending the arrow towards the bottom line of who are you? Who are you? And notice that 
if Jesus would have sinned, he would have, you know, submitted his identity as the son of God to this inferior being who was happened to be at this moment, the God of this world. Um, and the ransom, you know, it would have been off. The blood would have, his blood, Jesus' blood would no longer have been able to save us. Um, he would just have blood of the common slave or sinner. Uh, his blood would not have had the authenticity of the power to save us. Just like, just like if you would put a drop of arsenic into a glass of water, that glass of water would lose its power to save you, to save the dying, thirsty man. And so that drop of sin in Jesus's blood would have destroyed the power of his blood to save. So now we don't, we know that Jesus has to come through this. He has to, you know, know who he is. And Satan is basically saying, prove it, prove, mm -hmm. prove yourself. Mm -hmm. And how many of us in our insecurities all the time, try to prove ourselves by impressing somebody else or getting some other people or group to endorse us or to follow us or to praise us. And yet Jesus wasn't looking for any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, you know, we, we said prove ourselves by, you know, making so much money, having a prestigious job, having a nice, you know, vehicle. Uh, nothing wrong with these things in themselves, but if this is what we're doing to prove, to, to attempt to prove to others what mm -hmm. our worth is. Yeah. See, you have to look, Marjorie, that Jesus was in submission to the Father. Okay? He he always he I always do those things yeah. that please the Father. Mm -hmm. So So he was really he, he was had no life of his time. own. Right. He, he had no ambitions of his own. Right. He he was just in line. He was he was connected with the Father. We read of him often uh, as a man and as the, as the son of man and as the son of God, he would get alone with the Father, listening to the Father. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it was not God's time. See, you can do the what thing that maybe is not in itself evil, right. but it becomes evil if it's not done in obedience to the Lord. Well, right. And so he is the devil saying, well, if you could turn these, these stones into bread, you know, then you'd prove that you're the son of God. To who? To who? What a lie. What a lie. Because Satan really, I think he already knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and he just was wondering if Jesus knew that himself. But Jesus said to him, it is written. Notice how he uses the scriptures as the final authority on many of the things, and all the temptations with the devil. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So so Jesus wasn't going with this hunger, with the craving, with the, the lack, with the feelings. He was going with the truth, the standing on, knowing the truth. And it didn't matter if he was hungry or not, that he was not going to, because later on, Jesus actually turned bread into bread. He turned bread into way more bread. Bread into way more, and fish into way more fish. But it wasn't, it was in God's timing. In God's this time. was not God's timing. He was put in the test of faith by saying, okay, do you believe, Jesus, do you believe what the Father said? Do you, do you believe what you just heard? Do you believe what you know? Do you believe what you are told, that you this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased? Do, do you believe that? I mean, yes. Yes, he could believe that. He could always believe that. No, because he because he knew it already. I believe God had put that in his heart, just like with us. We don't live in our spirit very much. We live most of the time in our soul, trying to think and figure and feel, figure things out. But in our spirit, we know that Jesus is the truth. We know God and His kingdom and His word are true, and He doesn't lie. So then Jesus is taken by the devil. It says in verse five. Now this is Matthew. You go and look, and the, the re, there's a reverse of the two next temptations. They're put in different orders in these two gospels. In mine, uh, Matthew, it says, "Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God,' again, notice the same uh, caveat. If you are the Son of God." Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you. If you're this, prove it. Who do you think you are? Prove who you are. And we're always, you know what? Insecurity will have us. Fear and insecurity will always be nagging at you to prove something. Prove you're right. Prove who you are. Uh, impress somebody. You don't need to impress anybody. You don't need to impress your coach, your boss, your wife, your husband. You need to impress 
and prove yourself only to in being who you are as the Lord created you to the Lord. We only really ultimately answer to the Lord. And if you do answer to the Lord as his commandments you know, indicate us to do, to love one another, forgive one another, you will be kind. You will be doing, the fruits of the Spirit will be operating in your life, and you will be loving and forgiving your brothers. But anyway, so jump down from the temple, because the, but you notice here, Satan is not uh, so allergic to the, to the word of God that he cannot speak it. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan is using a scripture here to present a very, I mean, people do this all the time. You know the truth, but they throw a verse at you from random wherever, and they use that verse to judge you, Right. right, to judge you or to provoke you or to tempt you. And this religious mudslinging, sword clang, clanging, this verse against that verse, it just... Paul or Timothy said, avoid those kind of vain disputes because you can you can throw a verse, I can throw a verse. I can you know establish my my theology. You can establish yours. But the thing is, Jesus knew all this, and he cut to the chase, and he said, again, he he cut to the chase. You want me to jump off the pinnacle of the temple? to test my father, to see if he is going to help me, to see if my, my, need, my desperate need is going to provoke my father to, to, to uh, um, switch off the laws of gravity so I don't go splat, right? So Jesus um, wasn't going to tempt the father. This was a kind of a, this temptation was really to provoke the father to do something that would go contrary to his law, his 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 character, um, and put him in a hard spot. Because okay, is God going to rescue his son, or is God going to let his son crash? Well, but 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 if the son has already listened to Satan, then the whole thing is kind of a wash because yeah. he's already controlled by Satan. Well, it's different, you know. If we put ourselves in, you know, unwisely put ourselves in precarious positions. Well, yeah, tempting things. God. I mean, I think a lot of people. Do it do, all the time. Do it all the every, time. You know what? With, Can I say something about this yes. every time, all the time? Tempting God with the things we eat. The most common way we tempt God every day is to go against his commandment of what to eat. Mm-hmm. And we dump. We know. We know a lot of these things that we're eating create cancer, sickness, Alzheimer's. We know this. We're not stupid. And yet we continue to do it why? Because what? We don't believe it's going to affect us, which is, you know, that's 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 the deception. Well, sometimes, you know, people will do a lot of things, very foolish things to get a thrill and get in a general sure, rush, that you, know? Mm-hmm. you know. You got, you know. Risking their lives unnecessarily. Know, unnecessarily, mm-hmm. you know, skydiving, mountain climbing, different places. Sometimes there's a sense of adventure and achievement maybe in certain things, but sometimes people go beyond we want to go beyond the the limits so we can be to 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 say we we broke some barrier great. we mm-hmm. we did something and we survived and and there's there's this rush of a of a near death experience and surviving the elements or the doing it of men. doing it like willfully mm-hmm. not wisely but you know willfully it's different if we do something if i'm up on a you know building in the will of god and do, doing something I'm on top of a ladder and I fall down. I mean, I fall off the ladder and the Lord protects me and mm-hmm. I, you know, didn't break my leg or my neck or anything. That's God's protection. That's the context of this, the angels charge over you. Mm-hmm. But if I go up in the ladder and say, hey, I'm just going to jump down because God's going to float me down. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that's, that's what Jesus was uh, facing right here. Oh, true. And, and you know, really, like you said, the this, these extreme sports and the deliberate eating of carcinogenic foods and sodas and diet this and sucralose that, you know, because we're willfully ignorant because we don't believe or or maybe we don't think of it as tempting God, but we are trashing the temple of the Most High. And then we expect God to pull us off the, the deathbed, you know, yeah, or find some heal, heal super fa- wonderful surgery that can put us all back together. When if you would just simply walk in obedience to God as Jesus did. And, and you know, don't, it, what we're doing is we're looking for the praises of men. 
We're looking for some pat on the back. We're looking for some false comfort. We're looking for something that will fill the emptiness. And all these things can be only done and accomplished in and through the, the rich fulfillment of the relationship with Jesus Christ, which brings peace and deliverance from anxiety. This, so, is, this is really a, a, like a foreign concept to a lot of people because the whole thing is to impress people, do some, make, have some great achievement mm-hmm. to make ourselves feel, make us feel better about ourselves yeah, well, or to have the, the praises of men. You know, what it is is we've, we've been made in the image of God. And in that image, there is an essence, a sense, uh, an innate sense of, of great, greatness and, 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 and power and uh, knowing, you know, we're the, the, in the family of God. We're, we, we, the goodness, the, the power, the greatness, the being um, acclaimed, the being, uh, ex- you know, praised, these are all things that come in being made in the image of God, because those are the things, the greatness, the praise, the glory, all these kind of looking for the glory. These are all things that are part of our innate divine nature. But when Satan taps into that nature and uses that nature to bait us, to set us up, to go after that glory, go after that praise, go after that assurance, go after that, you know, whatever in our own strength, it becomes a sin. Now, there are many who are going to be acknowledged and glorified and, and brought to greatness and, and praised in that day when God settles the accounts and opens the books. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very well established at who's who and who did what. And But Jesus wasn't, you know, wanting to, he wasn't tempted to taste that glory ahead of time. He knew for the next X number of years, and he maybe knew about how long it was going to take, he knew he was going to have to grind it out as a human being. And he was going to have to stay absolutely tight with the Father because I don't think Satan just ended with these these few temptations. So to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, to put your life at risk, to eat things that you know are deadly just because you like the taste or because you can't mess, for example, too. People are hooked on these things and then they're hooked. And that means that they're they're, uh, we call it addicted, but they're, they're, they need deliverance. There are demons who are hooking them in. And so on the one side, they're feeling like they should be able to have enough power to quit this. That's what treatment programs tell them. You should you know, work the program, make better choices, da-da-da. But, but nobody acknowledges that their whole body has been overtaken uh, the, with the chemicals of this spirit. This meth, drugs, pharmacia, uh, even prescription drugs are the 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 spirit behind these things are demonic and mm-hmm. they grip your your fibers your cells your organs your your will they they take they invade the temple of the holy spirit which is our body and then we need deliverance we need that demon to be removed and that is really what people don't understand is that we, we can't do this ourselves the bible says I, Jesus even said of my own self, I can do nothing, mm-hmm. but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Jesus was even in that mental position where I can of my own self do nothing. So when he, we go, we see him going forward and doing miracles and stuff, he already knows as well. It is the father working in and through him by the Holy Spirit. The, the other part of the uh, aspect of the temptation in the wilderness here is in, uh, uh, well, in Luke chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 5, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, I don't know if it was just some kind of like a virtual reality type thing <laughs> here, too. You know, it must have been, you know. It could have been. Could, could have been, been something like that. Just, you know, and the in devil the spirit, said so to, to him, all this authority I will give you mm-hmm. and their glory, for it, this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomsoever, whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, mm-hmm. all will be yours. You mm-hmm. can have it all. <laughs> so that's true. Uh, if Mar- you worship Matthew me. doesn't give us quite all of that. And again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So... Satan is trying to make a deal here, and it's a, it's a, he Let's does make this, a deal. He, he does this to people all the time. I will give you this. I will give you a world tour. I will give you, you know, fame and notoriety. I will give you billions of dollars if you will just 
follow me. If you'll just mm-hmm. help me out here, just do what I say. And there are people that are living under the, today in our world, they're living under the, if we could call them blessings, quote unquote, of The demonic Satan. blessings of demonic Satan, Demonic yes. blessings, demonic protection. Uh-huh. So and you, let, me, let me just say something about that while we're here. Okay, so there are demonic blessings. There are people who are, are humans and there are people who are not humans, who look like humans, who are following the devil. They are on his, on, on his payroll. They are getting, they have assignments that work on his agenda, his objective to take over the world. And for you believers who are um, struggling to serve God, let me tell you, there's a whole another aspect to this. And Satan is the God of this world. There's a whole, there's a deeper realm. There's another realm. There is a swamp and it is deeper, deeper, deeper. It goes down to the very core of our past uh, of Satan's hate, hatred for God. It goes right there and it, it's going to go up to the Armageddon um, in the battle where Satan and his forces, which are many, which are here, which are apparent among us, which have lived among us, are here to come against God, kill God, knock God down from his throne of heaven in the battle of Armageddon. That's really what it's all about. And it's not going to be the players in that battle are not necessarily going to be uh, human soldiers. Yes, Satan, of course, is the god of this world. He's the the prince of this world, and he has these, an agenda. These kingdoms, there's an agenda, and we we see it. There's manifest, you know, to the world elite, mm-hmm. Illuminati, yep. All, yep. All, Masons, all, all this stuff. There's this whole well, deep state, demonic, devilish deep state mm-hmm. underneath all that we see right. in this world. That's right. There is a, a, a layer, diabolical. a dibi- diabolical mm-hmm. layer of evil that is continuing, multiplying, and it, and, it, and it pops up into our world experience. Yeah, you know, speaking of popping In the form up. of many forms. It yeah. comes in the form of entertainments and politics and wars and financial control mm-hmm. and, 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 and satanic... Commercials. Uh, commercials. Yeah. You know, and it's just, you see more and more. Can I just say more. something about that? You know, as the devil is more panicky and as he senses It gets the more blatant. Is, he is more blatant. And you see more people who are, you know, a de- demon-possessed. You see more Christians who are demon-oppressed. Now, a demon, a, a, a Christian cannot be owned at, at, by both God and Satan at the same time. You're either owned by God or the devil, but you can still be owned by God and possessed, controlled in areas of your Demonized. life or body uh, or, or or generational mm-hmm. history by familiar spirits, by demons. And so people in the church who don't believe Christians can have demons are denying the whole point of the church. The church is to cast out de- demons, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, sickness, if spirits, spirits of infirmity, spirits of mental illness, spirits of uh, all kinds of things, uh, obvious manifestations and some that we accept as not manifestations, as normal as like being sick or something. Those are still not God. Those are manifestations. But going back to the blatancy of this, this war, this kingdom that Satan has, that he's had for over almost 6,000 years, at least in our time. And we, there was, this war was going on way longer than 6,000 mm-hmm. years, let me tell mm-hmm. you. But so he, he's, he's in a crisis mode now. He's panicking because he senses the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is preparing to return to the earth. And it is going to be very soon. It cannot, my, my opinion here, which doesn't count, but it does count because I know a lot of stuff, listen to a lot of stuff. It's not an uneducated opinion, I guess is how to say that, is that our DNA cannot take two more generations. It cannot be taken because the because the technology is advancing so quickly that they can now create uh, clone human beings. Obviously, that's old news. There's transhumans. There's an artificial intelligence. There's um, there's uh, I can't even give you all the terms and names. Synth- synthesizing humans, hybridizing humans. Uh, to the agenda of Satan actually is to eliminate human beings from his earth. He wants fit habitations. He wants his demons want bodies back again. They had bodies in the Nephilim. And when those Nephilim were killed, or or actually not, they were put under the earth, actually, um, and they're preparing to come back. But when, so in the meantime, the demons just have nobody to 
they haven't got their own body. So they want to create these non-human fit extensions so that they can have a house and they can live in something and and not be so... See, because when they're in us, it's not all that much fun for them either because they got to be on the alert all the time. They can't just kick back and relax. They got to be tormenting. They got to be tempting. They can't just live a peaceful demon life. Does that make any sense? Well, Well, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. He says his message was repent, change your mind, change your heart, change your attitude, because the kingdom of God is is at hand. It's at hand. It's right before you now. It's it's breaking in. We we mentioned earlier, you Mm -hmm. know, last time about John the Baptist. He was a transition guy from old covenant to new covenant, preparing the way, opening the way for what? The kingdom of God, not in the sense that the Jews were looking for it. They were looking for it. The kingdom of God is going to come. As a Jews are going to thing. rule the yeah, world again, yeah. mm-hmm. militarily and politically. They're they're an occupied territory at the time yeah, Jesus comes. Yeah. They're occupied by a pagan, evil, idolatrous, powerful system entity. called Rome. Well, yeah, and that entity was controlled by Satan. Mm-hmm. All the kingdoms, all A L L, all the kingdoms of the earth were controlled by Satan at that time. The Greeks, the Romans. Anything else you want to name out there? The mm-hmm. only ones that had any, any inkling or any, there was only one landing strip where Jesus could land on the planet safely, and that was, yeah, was in, in the Jewish the people. Jewish, yeah, the Jewish, the Jewish people. Because they had, they had the they had the the covenant. They had and the God old had protected covenant. They them. had the mm-hmm. promises. They they had the promises of the Messiah. The Messiah was coming through their line, through yeah. their mm-hmm. genetics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that's where he he came, and even though they were in, I mean, he had to come there, even though they were in the midst of a very uh, horrible situation. Maybe next time we'll yeah. talk more about some of the conditions yeah. that were going on, uh, were taking place, or that, that were something? there when when Jesus came. You know, if God would have wanted to do this a little easier, He could have landed Jesus and started the kingdom of God when the Jews, when King David was in power, because then they were, they were a pretty big part oh, yeah. of the, or Solomon. They had a pretty big piece of the pie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet Jesus and God, they wait until we're in this very They're last. They're in the, like in the lowest point. Yeah. Right? Of their, they had not had a, a yeah. real prophetic declaration for 400, for 400 years. years. They had some They hadn't failed... won a political battle. They haven't, hadn't won a seat in the house. They hadn't won a, 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 a physical battle for, Right, they had many, many failed coups against Rome, and so they were really like, down and out. Is this this ever going to happen? Right, and that was their temptation, I think, to just, just exist. But Satan is looking for worship, craving worship. He's craving worship because because what? He lost out. He got kicked out of his. He was the worship leader of heaven. Mm -hmm. He got kicked out because of his pride and rebellion. So he is looking for worship. He is looking for adoration. It's not, and it's not just, uh, not just bowing down in a in a in a seance. But he know. likes that too. He likes that too. Oh yeah, he wants he wants, he he wants <laughs> blood. He <laughs> wants control. Blood. He needs blood. You know what? You know why he needs blood? And he has blood. And by the way, I, tomorrow is a bear, a very big day. Um, it's three moons doing the the moon is going into an eclipse. It's the full moon. It's the it's the blue moon, and it's the the the, the moon is going into a, the the second moon full moon in one month, and so uh, I'm sure that Satan's big deal on the, the the moons and the phases of the moon and everything and getting worship, and blood. But he needs blood because the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood, and our lives are in our blood. As a matter of fact, if you want to go one step further, and it's being now um, discovered, actually scientifically proven that the, the the memories of what has happened to you are carried also in the blood mm-hmm. that the life story mm. your life story is in your blood mm-hmm. and they're being able to do fascinating things by it, with that information and moving that around and 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 doing electronic things with it but your story your life Jesus's blood his life his story who he was his, his godhood was in his blood, mm-hmm. and there, we're now seeing that my my personal lifehood is in my blood, 
And Jesus's godhood was in his blood. And therefore, his blood was the only blood that could be shed. But think about it. The life is in the, fl- in the, the life of the flesh is the blood. And that's where the life is. That's where the power is. So when Satan has all these people uh, sacrificing other people, all of these babies that are aborted, that is a sacrifice to Satan. I know these poor mothers do not know this. I know these young girls do not understand this. And God knows that too. He is not you know, absolutely so disgusted with them. He's never, ever going to talk to them again. He's full of compassion and mercy, and he knows that you were tricked. He knows that. So don't be taking on you all this guilt and condemnation, which Satan wants you to have, to separate you from the love of God. Simply, if you've had an abortion, just simply, humbly confess it before the Lord ask for forgiveness, repent, change your mind, and declare that you were tricked. Don't declare, well, I made a bad choice and I had this coming and now all this bad stuff the rest of my life, all these demonic judgments, are I have a, they're mine and I deserve them. No, go back to God and say, God, you know the story. You know how I was set up. God is a God of mercy. But Satan is getting this blood to fuel his machine. And the more we practice witchcraft, the more we lie, the more we put up with idolatry, the more we eat at Taco Bell, Come on, people. If you haven't seen the commercial of how blatant Satan is in even the Illuminati, the, 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 the all-seeing third eye, the dollar bill, they're, they're, guys, you don't just come out and say these things. You're declaring a, a political position. And you watch. Now that we have all of this tension, and we have a dividing line in this nation. And that lightning rod, so to speak, is, is our president. And not that he is, you know, I'm not going to say he's never made a mistake. I'm not going to say I'd follow his lifestyle completely. I'm saying that you're either for God or against God. And this whole thing, he stood for life. He stood up for life. And you can't reject life and endorse abortion and bloodshed and the party and the people that do and be for God. You cannot. That's just plain. But anyway, so the dividing line is getting very clear. Satan is getting very panicky. He's getting very blatant, and it is getting tense out there. It's getting, so you're going to have to know whose side you're on, and you won't be able to keep moving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for very much longer. Yeah, Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. Mm -hmm. True enough. You're either with me or against me. Yeah. You either gather with me or you scatter. Uh, Well, in the response, let's finish this little guy. So in response to all, all things I will give you if you fall down and worship me, Jesus then said to him, he just said, away with you, Satan. He knew who he was. He knew from the beginning this was Satan, his adversary, the fallen angel, Lucifer. He recognized him and he just kind of actually put up with this conversation and this was long enough. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Now, going back and connecting um, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God with uh, the verse, the, the temptation before that jumping down off the temple would tempt the Lord your God. Uh, worshiping, giving your worship to Satan would tempt the Lord your God. And so he's saying only him. He's the only one you need to bow down to or worship ever and serve. And that is the Lord God. We need to realize this is not a virtual reality, people. And I don't care how much you wear the, the Google glasses to see a different world. We've always been trying to escape to a different world. Why do you suppose it is? Because we don't like this world because it's not fair. It's full of offense. It's painful. It's not fun. It's hard work. It's et cetera, et cetera. So everyone, including this new generation, who's got, they've got Google glasses. Well, what did we have? We had soap operas. So what did the generation before them have? I don't know. But everybody's been always trying to escape your life. Stop trying to escape your life and live your life for the glory of God. And whatever that looks like, that's the only way you're going to be happy with your life in the end is if you live it by serving the Lord God as Jesus demonstrates here. Worshiping the Lord and following Him. And you should worship the Lord your God with all your heart, and, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, but you know, and in mm. Him only shall you serve. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we serve people. We, you know, we're we're, we're to, by love we're to serve one another. Right. Okay. But for what so, reason? So, yeah. For what reason? Be to to bless them, to encourage them. Jesus said, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and not to say." to say how great you are and glorify your you. father who is in heaven. So, but the, our good thing, works are to glorify the father, but, not us. That's, but we can't live as man pleasers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like someone said, 
God loves you and everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, there's people that it's not that we can't take wise counsel from godly people, but then we have to weigh that all before the Lord because what happens is that sometimes we spend our whole life trying to maybe try to please a father that's been dead for 30 years yeah, right. or, or, or trying to, you know, please this one, please this one, get the approval of this one and approval of that one. And, and really it's, it's, it seems like it's very difficult for us to just say, we're going to, I'm just going to serve you, Lord, yeah. whatever it looks like. Well, here we have, whether, whether yeah. I'm hated or, uh, uh, adulated whatever I'm despised or approved, I'm going to serve you no matter what. No matter what it feels like. because No matter what we, it looks like. Well, you said look and I say feel, and they're both good because mm-hmm. people sometimes go with what other people say or they can also go with how they feel. And notice Jesus at this point when he said, away with you, Satan, um, he was still hungry. He was still tired. He had still you know, been sleep deprived. He had still been sleeping out in the open you know, with the wild beasts yeah. around him. He, he, and, and, and at this point where he passed the test, the, there was a relief. There was a release. The angels came and ministered to him. They brought him food, um, and, and he was able to rest. So the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. But the devil didn't leave for good. The well, devil started working on his guys, especially as soon as he started picking those guys. The devil started, you know, setting up more plots against Jesus. The the devil doesn't come for good, and the devil doesn't leave for good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But it says in Luke four thirteen. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation. Now, my my view is that these were these oh, were representative temptations. Uh, there were probably others that were going on in that period of forty days. Uh, but it says he departed from him. Uh, in the King James, it says for a season. Yeah. Or in, in the New King James that I'm reading from here, it says he departed from him until an opportune time. Well, he, he always says, okay, I'm going now, but I'll be back in some Some, some more other way. hideous, insidious, undetectable way. And that's where it is. Too. Sometimes the temptations are very blatant. But f- the further, the longer, the more mature you are in God, I believe, or the longer you've been walking with God, the more subtle the temptations become. And so the devil really works a lot of those temptations in our very minds, in our hearts, in our wills, in our souls, in our emotions. And so we have to realize that we cannot live our life in our feelings or ju- or make our, our, our make judgments regarding our spiritual condition regard uh, based on how we feel. Jesus couldn't do that because he would have felt very probably humanly beat up at that point in time. Well, we ha- we all face different temptations in different times, in different ways. Different uh, war- The warfare uh, changes. Real. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, Satan's strategy is still basically to steal, kill, destroy, okay? He's a liar, okay? But there's the, the more you move forward with the Lord as you go on and develop in your life, and some... Some people have said it this way. It's almost trite, I guess. It's, it says, new levels, new devils. So wherever you move forward, there's going to be a different opposition. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what... In so what Roma, you're saying is there's never a place where we can just a plateau. A, we can you know, just like cruise. In that, in that painting of William Booth's vision where all these people had reached oh. the platform oh. of complacency. Of and sal- they were, yeah, salvation, they were, everything's fine. Yeah, and I can just have fun now and go play golf and paint and write and read and leisurely do whatever, whatever, because I'm safe. And you've got hundreds and thousands of other people still dying in the, in the sea. And there's no, of course his, his, his main thrust was evangelism. Now some of the people need to be on the Island training up the, the, the soldiers exactly. as well, but, and, and just making disciples. Cause that's the other commandment Jesus gave, go make disciples, evangelize and make disciples you know, and so, but don't think in your life that, that that there's a utopia down here. There's a place to rest here. That rest that you're looking for out there is not going to happen out there. If you're looking for it out there, you'll never find it. If you're looking for it within, inside of your heart, in a place of peace, in a sanctuary with God, in that be still and know that I'm God place, you can find it. You can live here with rest, rejoicing, 
and and receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ, but you don't get it. It doesn't come to you. You have to go to it. You have to bring that uh, that disposition. You have to allow the Spirit of God to bring that disposition because it's He who does it into your your consciousness, so that you realize it is well with my soul. No matter if it's not totally okay with your soul from all appearances, it is still well within your soul. Yeah, we're on board a battleship, not a cruise ship. Well, yes, I know, and that's and that's that's the tr- the trickery of this whole thing is people are on a floating. We're on a we're on. A, there's a this this clock is ticking down. This world is not going to remain, and yet the question remains. As Peter said, when he saw the vision of, that all these elements would melt with fervent heat, he said, "What manner of men ought we to be as mm-hmm. we see these things, these days approaching?" And I believe that this is not here to terrify you. This is here to to solidify, uh, to anchor you in the hope and the peace of God. And if you need a deliverance, if there are demons hanging out inside of your mind, your heart, your circumstances, then do what Jesus did. Away with you, Satan. It is written, no, you won't. I will not. By the grace of God, the blood of Jesus be gone. And so, you know, we don't do that in our temptations. We just feel guilty for having a temptation. We feel judged and guilty when we make a choice that we didn't want to make. And Paul says, if you're doing what you don't want to do, it's not you doing it. But we don't, you know, we don't believe Paul. We believe the devil. And so we heap this condemnation and guilt that Satan is heaping on us. We take it by the spoonfuls and we eat it and we get sick and we die and thinking for lack of, we think God is mad at us. We think God is the one doing this to us because we just don't want to put the devil in the equation. You don't want, you just don't want to realize this is a spiritual battle. And yet Jesus did nothing but demonstrate how spiritual and intense and hand-to-hand this this battle with Satan really is. Well, Jesus, just to summarize quickly here, when Jesus was filled with the Spirit at his baptism, it says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit after the temptation. Amen. So just, you say, well, you get filled with the Spirit, you're filled for battle, you're filled yep. to overcome, yep. you're filled for ministry, and declaring the gospel of the kingdom of God. So, Father, we thank you for your word, your truth, the demonstration, the power of Jesus Christ, your love, your victory, Father God, in defeating the enemy and exposing him. So expose him this week to our hearts and minds and give us victory. Father, we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.